Welcome to Sacred Cows, a podcast where we ask the age-old question, why do we do what we do? My name is Daniel. And I'm Bria. And each week we will look at life or family or the church and ask questions to help us as we journey through life together. So grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and come and chat with us. Episode four, Sacred Cows. What are we looking at today, Bria? What are, we, what are we talking about? I'm going to pass this like over to you. I feel like the price is right. It's true. What Literally, you don't know who's is... Who's our next contestant today? What's his name? Oh, Drew Carey. Well, I mean Bob and Drew, but who's the guy who would stand behind the mic? Rod you know? Roddy. Did That's just, the original. Did you just make that up? Rod Roddy. That sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't believe so. <laughs> Anyways. Oh Back to the topic. What you don't understand is two minutes ago, like every other time we recorded a podcast, it's who's going to open? What are they going to say? Yeah, we have the most awkward And openings. I said, I'll open. I usually say... The episode and then sacred cows but today i'm gonna pass it over to you cool awesome thanks anyways today we are going to talk about church jargon the sacred cow of church jar- that's kind of hard to say church church jargon. jargon so all of those things that maybe you hear in church or in christian circles or like these uh, special yeah, these churchy words that we use for a whole variety of reasons. Sure. Not to, not to diminish them. Not to diminish them. Yep. There's special big words that we use that are really specifically church. Yes. Right? That if they were used in any other context, someone would call the cops. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. I think of the words like salvation and sanctification and even phrases like asking Jesus into your heart or come to yeah. the altar and pray. What else am I missing? I don't know. What's, Washed what's, in the blood what's kind of, of the I was going to say, that's kind of probably the most confusing one I've heard. Yeah, is, what's the most confusing thing that you've heard? Is when someone church. said, come to the altar and be washed in the blood of the lamb. That's a lot. Oh, my goodness. Where's the see, lamb? See, my goodness. Are we going to sacrifice it now? But people who understand it are like, we, never, we need to hear that on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. never hear that on Sunday. Yeah. Come forward and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. But Come to the altar. But when you think of people, and That's here right. is the thing, and we should have maybe looked up these stats before, but roughly what we need to understand is that 30 years ago, everybody at least knew about Jesus. They didn't necessarily yes. go to church, yes. but like their grandparents had told them about Jesus yes, or their grandparents right. had brought them to church, even if their parents had it. We are living in like a brand new post, time. Post-Christian. People yeah. don't, kids don't know who Jesus is. My mom um, was a grade one, a two teacher. And I remember she always used to talk about Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And pe- and some of her kids like recently would be like, what? Who's yeah, Jesus? Whereas right. a lot of us growing up, even if we weren't brought to church by mom and dad or, or regular attenders, we at least heard about it, yeah, right? Absolutely. But now Absolutely. we are living and serving in a generation people have not even heard about it. And we're using these words like, come to the altar and be washed in the blood of the exactly. lamb. Exactly. It's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> and, and even to take that a little step further, I mean, you were talking about when your mom talked about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Even now, I remember having a conversation uh, back in one of our previous appointments, like we would talk about, and the shepherds came. And one of the kids was like, what's a shepherd? Yeah. Like <laughs> the Christmas story. Well, the yeah, Christ- yeah, yeah, talking yeah. about the Christmas story. Yeah. And what's like, a shepherd? Yeah, that's true. Why do they hold something that's curved? 
Like, what's the purpose of this curved stick? Do we even know what the Why purpose of the Why does stick the Sunday school teacher go out the night before and search all the dollar stores for them? And they can never <laughs> find them. <laughs> it's true, though. It, it is. It's a lot of this uh, words that we just assume everybody understands. And if we're honest, we just assume that we understand the words as well. Yes. But nine times often out of ten, don't. Nine times out of ten, we're just repeating what we've heard. Right. We've never taken the time to really look to see what it means. Sanctification, justification, what it means to be saved, right. your soul, right. ev- everything like that. We're repeating what we've heard over the course of our lives. Right. And I think as as a kid, I remember being in church once and someone standing up and giving their testimony. There's yeah. a church There's word. There's another right? one. Yeah. Giving their story about something that God has done in their life. And I remember him saying, when I was saved, blah, 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 this happened. But when I was sanctified, this happened. I remember being as a, as a kid, like panicking and being like, oh goodness, I missed this stuff. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> saved. I didn't like, what is sancti- What does that mean? I have no idea. And it's, yeah. we have the best intentions as yeah. adults when we're talking to others or when we're talking in church. That's right. Um, you know, there are people who like the Pharisees, like to to put on a show, of for course. lack of a better yeah, word, of right? But people have the best intentions, but we don't understand how confusing we are. And we've, we've really made this church jargon into the sacred cow of look at me and all the big words I can use. Absolutely. Right? And not only that, but when we have a, let's say, a, a church leader or an officer or a spiritual leader where they are, their life maybe not completely matches, but they understand Jesus. Right. They understand the life of Jesus. They've given their life to Jesus. But then this big word comes along and they're like, oh, I've, I've heard of it, but I never really understood what it meant. It's almost like we as the church just completely write them off. Right. Well, they don't know what that, well, they can't be a very good spiritual leader right, right, right. or they, they don't know what that means where right. it's, you're right. We put, it's we put it up at a, a, on a pedestal. Right. We do it with our prayers mm-hmm. where we use the big words during prayers. Mm-hmm. We use it during our, our worship time. Again, see, that's another thing. We're assuming prayer is not worship. Yeah. But that's yeah. musical it, it worship. Musical we do worship. it during our musical worship. We do worship it where time. we sing and we don't understand what we're singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we sing something so much that it completely loses its meaning. Mm-hmm. And we just sing it because we know the words. Or so we sing it's all songs. Over the place. We sing songs and we think like those lyrics are straight from the Bible. Absolutely. But yes. complete opposite. They I have, remember have when nothing Jesus, to do with the Bible. I, I remember when Jesus spoke about rolling the old chariot along. Do you remember that in Second Matthew? <laughs> I still don't understand that song, but that's fine. I'm fine with that. But yes, this is this is where we're at, is where there's a real generational divide of people who are in church who, I don't know, I, I don't want to assume, but use the big words and don't often really understand them that's or right. can't explain yeah. them to someone who doesn't understand them. And we're trying to serve and reach our communities, yeah. which are, depending on where you live, it's a lot of filled of people who don't right. even know the basics. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't. They don't know any of this. They've only heard the yeah. name of God used in the in proper context, right? right? This is yep. all they know. So we're trying to um, meet the in the middle somehow, and we're yes. not really great at meeting in the middle yes. because we've made church jargon such a thing. Yeah. So I guess to to start out, and then we'll end with what we are actually saying. But but to start out, what we're not saying mm-hmm. is we're not saying water down the gospel. Right. We're not saying water down the word of the Lord. Right. We're, we're not saying that at all. And we're also not saying to bow to political correctness either. No. To go from one side of the spectrum to the other. Mm-hmm. That is not what we're saying. We believe that, that the gospel, that the Bible is the word of God, mm-hmm. that it is God inspired, that it is truth. So we're not saying water it down. What we are saying though is... 
we got to help bridge the gap. Right. We have two, we have a great chasm, like you were saying, right. of, of un, untaught. Is that the... That's probably not correct, that's but whatever, we'll go correct. with it. Okay. Where we use, we have the side that uses the overabundance of big words that doesn't understand what they mean, but then those that have no idea even what, what church is. Right. And we're clashing right. in the middle. Right. Uh, there's a gentleman named J.R. Briggs, and he's the founder of Kairos Partnerships, which is a uh, kind of a, a Christian leader consulting company. Um, a lot of the information that we're going to share today actually comes from his works in, in leading teams to eliminate all kinds of church and corporate jargon Mm -hmm. that's kind of his thing that he's trying to do to connect people more to Mm -hmm. not create gaps between individuals or people that can't relate because they don't understand what each other is saying and he actually has a uh kind of a a way that he likes to explain this (laughs) an effect a term and he calls it the zacchaeus effect uh and for those of you who know the story of zacchaeus you're probably thinking in your mind the sunday school song you know, Zacchaeus was yeah. a wee yeah. little man, and a wee little man was he. How tall was Zacchaeus, I That's wonder. true. I, I don't know. Was <laughs> you, you got me. The Bible's not that specific. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's not that specific. But in the Bible is the story of, of Zacchaeus, and we we learn that he, he was a tax collector, and he was cheating the public, and he heard Jesus was coming to town one day, and he wanted to go out and see him, but he, he couldn't get to see Jesus because mm-hmm. there were so many people in the way. So he climbed up a tree that song says sycamore tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so he could see Jesus and Jesus actually pointed him out and said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to go to your house today for, for tea, coffee, for food, anything like that. And, and a chat to have a chat with some folks. <laughs> and uh, Zacchaeus was stunned, but he went to lunch. He had some tea with Jesus. I'm sure they didn't drink tea, probably some wine or something. And, uh, he completely changed his life just from that conversation with Jesus. But the question that I want to ask you today before we kind of get into the, the nitty gritty of this is um, what prompted Zacchaeus to climb the tree to become immortalized in that Sunday school song? (laughs) What, what prompted him to climb the tree? Uh, Well, in Luke chapter 19, three, he wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short. He could not see over the crowd. And see, that's so interesting because when I think about learning this school, learning this um, story in oh, Sunday story. school, yep. the song, you think, oh, he had so, he was so excited. He had so much faith. Like he just wanted that's to right. climb. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But when in reality, it, he just wanted, he, he wanted couldn't to see. He couldn't see. There was people in the way. He exactly. couldn't get through and he couldn't see, right? So uh, the thing that I want to point out here is in their pursuit of Jesus, the crowd blocked Zacchaeus and maybe others from seeing and experiencing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Church, I'm talking to you right now. In our pursuit of Jesus, it's my hope and my prayer that we're not blocking crowds. Mm-hmm. That we're not blocking people who want to see and experience Jesus. I believe we are through one way, and that is church jargon. Yeah. By having these big words that we don't even understand, but then saying them every Sunday or whenever we get together. I believe that's that's us pursuing Jesus, which, which is good. It's good to pursue Jesus. But in turn, by having all these big words, uh, by not taking the time when we're going to get into this to explain them, we're creating like the crowd blocking Zacchaeus. Right, and it's almost making that Jesus is not accessible, like unless you know X, Y, and Z. And we've had to fight back against this as a church, as not just individuals, but as a church forever, right? Because 
it's almost like our thing now is it's come as you are. You don't have to wear your Sunday best. You don't have to wear certain clothes. You don't have to have your life all together, right? And and I think we've done a pretty good job in general of helping people understand that you don't have to have it all together and have your kids in these beautiful Sunday dresses to come to church. However, I think there's still a lot more barriers that are making it feel like church is a bit unaccessible to everyone. And that's church jargon, right? That's right. So J.R. Briggs calls this the Zacchaeus effect, mm-hmm. uh, getting in the way of others through these kind of big words. And that's in the church. That's in corporations. So what are some of the – why are we even talking about this today? Right. What's right. kind of the, the hazards that can come from church jargon? Give me – I know there's individual watching, individuals watching, listening, um, and they're, they're saying, give me the proof. Why should I change this? Yeah. You know, why, why should I change? So what are the hazards of church jargon? Number one – it's extremely isolating. Mm-hmm. Church jargon is is extremely isolating, and and I love this this story that uh, someone tells about church jargon when they relate it to uh, going to a movie theater. Yep. And imagine going to a movie theater. You're gonna go see a movie, but it's in a language you completely do not understand. Right. And there's no subtitles. Right. Right. So not only this, but also add that throughout the movie, people randomly stand, clap. <laughs> sit raise their hands yeah and let's wonder why oh they didn't come back the next sunday <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh no well that must have been because the pastor didn't connect with them <laughs> well i don't even know i'm at the point where i don't even think i would have went to the movie theater do you know what i mean like and this is the thing i don't even know if i would have showed up if yep. i knew it was going to be in another language and it's people true. were going to do all of these things and that's i had right. no idea what was going on yep um, yeah, but that's a really good analogy. Because our insider language confuses people. Yeah. And for those of you listening, and I know, Bria, for you, when we're confused, we tune out. Totally. We tune out. Because it's either we we have a it's either we have an overabundance of questions to help us understand, mm-hmm. which the individual that's usually being confusing does not have time to answer. Right. Or we just completely write them off right. and tune them out. And individuals who do not know Christ or who maybe just come to check out your Sunday service. Yeah. All of these things are very, very confusing. Yeah. Very confusing, which in turn means that this church jargon becomes very isolating. It does. Very, it really very does. Isolating. And like I said, it's making it like Jesus isn't accessible to all. Exactly. Let's just look, let's just think about our kids. Um, not just our kids, but kids in general. Um, when we use these big words and don't explain it to them, we're cheating them so much on their faith and their understanding and really growing (laughs) in their personal relationship with God. So if we don't want to do that to our own children, why would we be doing that to people who come who are seeking help and seeking Jesus? And because parents are still the most um, influential, the spiritual guides of children, um, we also need to be careful that our church jargon doesn't communicate sloppy theology yes so that's actually one of the major hazards of church jargon and we kind of hinted at it earlier where we all use these big words in the church but we have no idea what they mean yeah that's very bad theology yeah very sloppy theology yeah uh i'm going to say a phrase right now and you're probably going to be like hallelujah amen (laughs) and i'm going to say why do we say that Mm -hmm. uh when we say usually and we're talking about children usually we say this to kids we do yep who are the most influential, the most yeah. susceptible, yeah. who have their minds open the most to hearing new things. Yep. Here's what we usually say. You need to accept Jesus into your heart. Yeah. Someone look up where in scripture it says yeah. to accept Jesus into your heart. Yeah. 
How and if you can give me an argument where it does say that, are we saying this argument to our kids as well to explain mm -hmm. what we mean mm -hmm. when we say to accept Jesus into your heart? And even I think some of us have changed it a bit to say accept Jesus into your life. But even yes. at that, what does that mean? Exactly. Where is that in the Bible? I understand that we're we're called to you know surrender and to give our That's lives right. to Jesus. That's right. But really, what what does that mean? Yep. And so for those of you listening, you're saying, well, what what should I what should I say instead? Mm -hmm. I, I, I have an answer for you. Uh, <laughs> Instead, say you're you're choosing to follow Jesus. Yeah. Would you like to choose to follow Jesus? Yeah. Because it, it goes to show that there's a split. You're yeah. you're choosing you to, to follow Christ mm -hmm. and not some other way. Mm -hmm. You're choosing to follow Jesus, or even a, a better one is um, turning to Jesus. Right. Because and there's a big word in church called repentance, mm -hmm. and we use it. We don't explain it. Um, I might be generalizing a lot of things right now uh, we use repentance a lot in mm -hmm. the church rarely do any of us truly repent truly when practice we biblical when repentance. we understand what it means right that it means and i'm coming back to this turning to jesus mm -hmm. repentance in the simplest terms is a complete 180 mm -hmm. complete turnaround mm -hmm. in your life and not going back mm -hmm. have we truly repented right so that's why instead of saying accept jesus into your heart it's this turn to jesus because it's this vision of turning away from a former life right and turning towards jesus right going on to a few more uh, and uh, i think i i said it this morning i didn't i didn't mean to say it is it the morning that we're recording this yeah it is see i'm so used to being in church i said it this morning morning yeah, yeah, need, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what i mean yeah uh before we worship let's pray as if prayer is not a form of worship yeah yeah, we do do that. We do. Or, Why don't we say before before we m worship musically together? Yeah. Let's yep. pray. Yep. I mean, in the Bible, we see prayer before anything. Yep. <laughs> do, not before anything as in to do it before anything, but yep. that it is if you have to rate things. Absolutely. It's prayer, right? And Absolutely. connecting, talking to God. Jesus did it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Before, mm -hmm. before, and after, and in in the midst of everything, yep. right? And so, prayer yeah. is a a big major near the top form of worship yeah yeah uh so this this one's one of my one of my favorites i've actually said it during uh some of my sermons and explained how wrong it is when we pray it um spirit we invite your presence here this morning yeah like he needs as to if be the invited. spirit of god is not omniscient and in all places yeah yeah <laughs> that's kind of the point he's he's there friends before we even think about planning next sunday service yeah uh, yeah. So we don't need to invite his presence. Yeah. He's there. We just need to be aware of the presence in the place. Right. And I think there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these phrases that you said, but it's when we can't explain them or explain yes. them extremely yes. poorly. And like you said, our, our theology gets that, so that's right. sloppy. That's right. That's the thing. And I, I think one of the biggest, biggest issues facing the church today in 2021 um one of the biggest issues is not attendance or that we're losing i read somewhere this morning we're losing like a million young people north americanly not <laughs> just in st albert or in canada um but we're losing so many young people from the church the biggest biggest problem the church has is just biblical illiteracy and yep. i what i mean by that is just not knowing the bible that's right not understanding the bible and then 
we who don't understand the Bible are now trying to explain the Bible to other people who don't understand the Bible. And we're using these words because we've heard generations before us use these words, but they've never explained it to us either. And we're just in this crazy, sloppy cycle of nothing inherently wrong with any of these words. That's right. It's just how we're using them and how we're not using them to properly explain things. And and know that we're not saying uh, communicates sloppy salvationist theology. Or Wesleyan theology or right. Catholic theology. Right. We're saying theology in general because we do believe that there's only one way to translate scripture, right. but there's many ways that it can play out. In many your ways life. to apply it. There's many ways to, to apply it. But there's one interpretation, um, yeah. So I, I think it's it's bad theology when we denominationally yeah. Try to theologicalize things. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, the only lens we need I'm to... Using, I'm you're doing using, it. Big I'm using words. very big words right now. But you're looking at me like, I don't know what I'm saying. What does this mean? <laughs> um, no, but what it is, is is we look. We should be looking through the Bible with one lens, and that's the lens of, of God and the lens of the, the person who, who wrote it. What, right. what was their original intent? Not Absolutely. looking at it through the lens of my individual point of view or my church's individual point of view, right? And Absolutely. that's that's important too. So for those who, who are listening that don't understand, a denomination are are different types of, of churches. So right. it's like um like Baptist, Wesleyan, Baptist evangelical non denominational. Non denominational, <laughs> which is a denomination actually. That's what we mean by different denominations. Right. Um and we need to really be careful how we communicate our theology because we actually may say more things that we didn't want to say right or we intended not to say right and cause a lot more harm than good and actually cause people like Zacchaeus to that we are blocking right people from understanding the true Jesus Christ and it's perfectly acceptable to say I don't fully understand this word that's right. If someone asks you I'm a question about I'm it, I'm currently trying to figure out what this means. Let's look at yeah. it together. Let's look at the the see what the word of God says together. What like a great way to build a relationship. Oh with gosh, someone. I will respect you 800 million times more if you're telling me that you know what I haven't quite figured this out yet. I'm struggling through this as well. That's right. I don't fully understand what this word means. Let's yes. figure it out together. Yep. Then if you're just going to use words to explain something yeah. and and ultimately point people in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. So the final little area for this, the hazards of church jargon is ultimate. It's just lazy. Mm. It's lazy when we use church jargon. Uh, when we continue to use this insider language, regardless of what those who don't regularly come to church, um, we're actually saying, you know, this Jesus story isn't important enough in my life to make it accessible to everyone. Right. You yeah. know, this Jesus, the, the story of Jesus Christ isn't important enough for me to change so we, how I communicate it right, to others. Right. I'm going to keep using my big words. I'm going to keep trying to sound smart. And if people come to Christ, whatever. If they don't, whatever. Right. That's bad and it's 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 lazy and it just communicates that we don't want to change how we do things. Right. And I think it's, it's the double-sided too because I think there are definitely people out there who don't speak and don't share certain things because they – feel like they don't know the big words and they don't understand it and i think it's it's lazy sounds like such a harsh word but it is it's lazy on both sides it's and not yeah just backing away from it because you don't know the big words is just as lazy as not wanting to explain it because you don't have time to learn it yourself right it's both sides i sometimes believe that we use church jargon solely because we're 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 afraid to explain the gospel to others yeah we're just afraid to explain the gospel to others, to explain the life of Jesus to others. Yeah. So it's easy to just continue to be part of this click with our secret language. And it's unpopular. Exactly. Uh, what's what what's the, unpopular? Uh, 
I've started a new book and it's amazing and I've only read two chapters and it's by John Mark Comier. 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 I'm not sure. I can't. I always pronounce his name wrong. Yes. Anyways, he's um, very wise. Um, and it's just mind blowing some of the stats that he's sharing. And, and we're this cognitive minority is what he's calling it. And basically what that means is we think differently than the culture now. Yes. Again, 30 years ago when we could use these words and we use this church jargon and everybody yes. had an idea. We weren't. When the, your church life intersected with your work right, life. Right. We weren't the life. cognitive yes. minority because you know, the values, the whether you were a Jesus follower or not, those underlying values of the Bible, people kind of followed them. It was seen as kind of the right thing to do, whether you were a Jesus follower or not, right? It's just what happened. Let's let's just look at like premarital sex and, and yep. living together before you're married or anything like that. Even if you weren't a Christian, it was just kind of the, the right thing to do. It was a normal progression of things, right? Whereas now we're living in a time where, yeah, we think completely differently and mm-hmm. it's not the right thing to do. And we get attacked for the way that we think sometimes. And exactly. it's just, it's a complete switch. Right. So I think people are, it's, it's this whole group of stuff coming together where people are afraid to share the gospel because they don't know the church jargon and afraid to share the gospel because it's unpopular. And then when you use the church jargon, people are going to start questioning it now more than ever. Of right? course. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah. So what, what do we do about this? What do we do? <laughs> What's well, kind of our, our next step? We don't want to leave you with, here's all the bad things and, and nothing else. Uh, number one, as Bria leans over the mic to try to see what I wrote here. <laughs> <laughs> I am short. Uh, uh, so, so what do we do? Uh, and I think we've been doing it throughout. The first step is start to recognize it. Yeah. Start to call it out. Yeah. And ask questions. Yeah. Um, J.R. Briggs, who we talked about at the beginning, he says, you have to name things to change things. Ooh, I like that. You have to name things to change things. Yeah. That go that can go for jargon. That can go for, for anything. For that one sin that's holding you down in life. Mm. You gotta name things to change things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so recognize the jargon. Hear yourself when you speak. Absolutely. Wait, like literally hear yourself yes. when you speak. And and run it through hear your own head. the words yes. that you're saying. And and imagine if you don't have kids, I'm sure you've spoken to a kid. If you've never spoken to a kid, you can speak to one of mine. They're fun. That's, yeah. um, but and this is not to dumb it down or say that people who don't know Jesus are not as smart. Complete opposite of what I'm saying. But explain it like you'd be explaining it to a child. This word means, yes. right? Think about how you're I, speaking. I know nothing about being a car mechanic. Why would I go up and try to explain to someone you to a car mechanic you need to do this better right wouldn't i want to sit regardless of what this individual might think about me he might right. think i'm i'm dumb or, or she yeah. might think i'm dumb because i know nothing about cars yeah but it's sitting and saying well what is what is that what yeah is that over there? ask what is the that? questions what is that? And, and asking the questions we really need to push back against that culture of yep. not asking questions clarifying questions yes. yes like and this is not a plug for you daniel at all i mean I'm not trying to be discouraging, but I'm also trying not to put you up. But like during your sermons a lot and you've created a, you've, you try to create cultures where people can like interrupt you yes. and ask a question. Yes. And I love that because first off, it's scary. And I remember when you first started doing it, you were like, oh, yeah, goodness me, right. this is stupid. Why would I even do this? Um, because you never know what people are going to ask. Of course. But it, it is. We've got to push back against this. Uh, uh, maybe it's another sacred cow of you just sit in church and you don't question anything. Exactly. You've got to be you able to ask questions. You take everything, the person up front who's speaking, right. you take all of that literally and right. you don't look for yourself. Right. We're getting a little bit off. 
Yeah, sorry. Now. But I think this is a good time talking about the name things to change things and to start to recognize it and ask questions. Right. This is a good time to remind our listeners that uh, the church is not for Christians. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. The church is not for Christians. The, the church is for those who have not turned to Christ. Right. Right. But I mean, pl- plain and simple. Right. We should be meeting together to encourage each other, to hear from each other, to hear what yes. God's doing in our lives, to, to build each other up, to support, and then <laughs> to go out. That's right. Right. And that, that Sunday is, has yeah. become this high point yeah. where the talking with community members who don't know Jesus and watching them progress in their tiny steps of faith right. should be the high points. Right. Yeah. We should need to come to church on Sunday because we need the spiritual refueling in order to just go out for the rest of the week. Right. So ask yourself, you know, when, when you hear a word you don't understand or when you're, you're thinking of these church words, you're probably doing it right now. Ask yourself, you know, why do we say that? Yeah. Simple. Why do we say that? Is there a purpose to that word? Yep. Or is it just a word that we've... We've inherited. Is that word in the Bible? Yes. Is it our inherited language? Yeah. Exactly. Is, is that in word the in the Bible? Yeah. Um, and how can we say that word or that phrase better that explains what we really mean? Yeah. And we have so many resources. You can yes. go to the back of your Bible to like look and see what words are used. But really, it's um um open Bible, I think it is, dot com. Yep. Um, you can type in any word. Like, and it, and it shows, will show yes. every um, scripture verse that contains that word, right? And it'd be different translations. But we have so many resources at That's our fingertips right. now to be able to figure this stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So start to recognize it. Ask questions. Um, maybe some of you won't like this, but ask non-Christians. Maybe you have non-Christian friends. Ask non-Christian friends what they think. Mm-hmm. Literally, brain, um, um, this, is, this is just my thought. If you're really taking this to heart and you're like, yeah, we really need to work on changing this or I, I'm thinking of some words that I really need to look up and find the definitions for it so right. I can understand them more. Right. Take these words to a non-Christian friend. Don't give them any context. Yeah. Nothing. But just say, what do you think when you hear this word? Yeah. What, com- what comes to mind when you hear this word? Mm-hmm. So you've recognized the jargon. You've asked questions. Bring your list to a friend. Ask them what they think it all means you'll probably be surprised by the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what funny. do you think your friend is going to say when you say the phrase, washed in the blood? I know, right? It's... Come come to the altar. What does that mean? That's what I, they're going to say? I think, I think just the fact that we have this step, that we have to specifically ask non-Christian friends what they think, means there's something wrong. Exactly. Because we're, we've, we are out of touch. Yes, and we don't know what the general population would think right. and feel. Yeah, that's an indicator that something. A reminder wrong. again: we're not watering down the gospel. No, not and at all. We're not becoming like the world. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, we are in the world, and mm-hmm. we need to relate to the world. We need to understand yes. the culture that we live in, yes, so that we can reach them. Not so that we can Absolutely. become more like the culture that we live in, but that we can understand the issues and the the big yep. things that they're facing in their yep. lives how do we expect to influence culture if we yeah. know nothing about the culture yeah yeah exactly so ask your non-christian friends what they think mm-hmm. you'll be surprised by the answers mm-hmm. and my little last point here this morning so what do we do is uh simply sacrifice your time to explain yeah 
We don't or like sacrifice do your time to look it up yourself. Or sacrifice your time. <laughs> so to... you can explain. <laughs> <laughs> sacrifice the time to look it up yourself. Yes. To figure it out so you can learn, but yeah. also for the purpose of explaining it to others. There's a there's a church word. It's called apologetics. And basically what it means is defending your faith, defending yes. your beliefs, yep. defending the Bible and what it says. And I've heard people say so many times that apologetics has never really been more important than it has been today. That's right. Yet we are living in this kind of biblically not understanding generation of Christians, right? That's right. But it really take the time to explain and, yep. and you have to know it yourself. I think one of the biggest turnoffs is if you go to your non-Christian friend and you say, what does this word mean? And they say, I have no idea. What does it mean? And then you... You're like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I was just asking you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's right. yeah. Like, there, it's one of those things of if you've dedicated your whole life to Jesus and you go to church and you claim this and you claim that, but you can't even defend the the one book that you base everything on, then, exactly. I mean, our credibility goes out the yeah. door, right? Absolutely. And I mean, r- r- people have not heard words. Like, it's not normal language to say atonement, justification, mm-hmm. resurrection, mm-hmm. or at least not, not in the way that we mean them. As as the church, right? Right. So by taking the time to explain these insider concepts, we can remind people that Mm -hmm. we as as Christians, we're just like them and we're learning as we go along the way. And there's a big word for all of this if you want to put it into a one one category. We we have a word for that in the church. Yeah. It's called discipleship. Yeah. Where you're you're learning, you're in a constant state of learning. But not learning for yourself. Yeah. You're in a constant state of learning so you can then teach others. Yeah. You're in a constant state of learning so others become better. It's yeah. this weird paradox. Yeah. But let me tell you, when you learn things with the mindset of not becoming better yourself, but with I, I'm I'm learning this so I can share this with someone else, mm-hmm. it completely changes your perspective on mm-hmm. why you're learning. Yeah. The, the purpose of your learning. Yeah. And what you can do to to um What's the like interact and right connect with, with people, connect, connect with, with people. people. Yeah, uh, we have we have a family vision and we have some pillars that we call that we kind of base our lives around. And our first one is and we called it an apprenticeship to Jesus. Yes, because I think you and I both struggle with the word like Christian and evangelical Christian and like yeah. all of this stuff. It's not that we don't identify with that group of people and i'm using such cultural words right now but it's not that we don't identify ourselves as christians it's just we kind of deconstructed that word and we're like what does that even mean yes what does calling myself a christian even mean and like you say when we're we're learning these words and we're we're trying to do it to better ourselves for others it's really being that apprentice to Jesus. That's you think right. of like the, the trades and, and carpentry and, and plumbing course. and all this stuff. They have to go through an apprenticeship, right? Yeah. Even nursing, we called it a, a, I forget what we called it. But anyways, you have to, you have to learn mm. from somebody who is further along or who is the expert in that area. That's right. Yeah. So being that apprenticeship to Jesus is a lifelong journey. Yeah. It is. We've never arrived where all of a sudden mm-hmm. you can be an apprenticeship to Bria because she's at equal level. But it's being that apprentice and, and learning as we go and yeah. just being okay with it, humbling ourselves and being okay with it, right? Early followers of Christ were not called Christians. They were called followers of the way. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm not the, – the purpose of this is not to water down the gospel. No. The, the original it's not learning to be a better christian no 
because being a I, dare I say being a Christian mean? means you're going to church every Sunday. Yeah, you know all the lingo. Yeah. That's we want to be better followers of, of Jesus, which yeah. means apprenticeship to Christ. Yeah, looking at His life, looking how He did things, looking where He went, to whom He spoke, mm-hmm. and and yeah, if anything, we're raising up that the gospel is the standard yeah. of our living. Yeah. And and it and it should we be. want to draw people That's to right. us and ultimately to God, like Jesus drew people to him. Like That's he right. drew the crowd when Zacchaeus had to climb up the tree. Exactly. We want to draw people to us, not in crowds so we can, you know, be like look at us. Um, but that so that we can bring people to Christ. And how mm. Jesus did that was he did. He just he traveled, he talked to people, he told stories, he That's got right. to know them. Yes, yep. he read scriptures in the synagogues and yep. all of that fun stuff. But the majority of his ministry was just like, hey. Being on the road. What's up, Zacchaeus? You want to go home and... Let's have lunch. Yeah. That's that's, that's how he drew people happened. to him. Not with yep. the big words and not with people saying, oh my goodness, he's so smart and this guy is so amazing and blah, yeah. blah, blah. They wanted to follow him because he, he cared and he loved and he really met people at their level, Hmm. in their homes. Hmm. And that's how it worked for him. That was his mission. So we have this incredible opportunity in this post-Christian culture. And I know that's being very jargony as well. But we were talking about it at the beginning where there's this huge gap Mm -hmm. where it's Christian, 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 and then knows nothing Mm -hmm. than the individual that knows nothing about Christ. We have an incredible opportunity here to infuse our language, to Mm. be intentional, Mm -hmm. to be loving, uh, by getting back to teaching what the gospel means and how it changed our lives. Mm. I still think that's a big part that needs to be taught, that needs to be understood, is if we claim that we're Christ followers, mm-hmm. there's got to be life change. Mm. We can't be the same people. So getting back to teaching what the gospel is, and here is what it is, but also here's what it's done for my life. Mm-hmm. Here's what it can do for your life. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, I, I sometimes believe that church jargon, we, we just use it solely because we're afraid of that. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of We don't sharing know the gospel. any other way. We don't know any other way. We, yeah, so yeah. we'll talk in our clicks. We'll use these big words yeah. because that boosts our confidence that yeah. we know all these big words and we're yeah. so spiritually well yeah. because of our jargon when there's people clamoring to just know who, who that is they're valued Jesus and that they're loved that they're loved absolutely that they're worthy that they have a yeah. they have a, a place not only in this world yeah. but a, a place as a child of god that's right that's right yeah. so if we eliminate church jargon and replace it with better phrases then others won't have to scale trees to catch a glimpse of glimpse of jesus good news mm. they won't have to do that instead they can stand with us mm. side by side worshiping Jesus together. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And remember, as 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. May you find that peace in your questioning.